Halo, halo, Sacred Icon listeners. We used to do ads for other people, but I decided, why don't we do one for ourselves? Whether you're here listening to us for the first time or you've heard every episode, I'd like to briefly tell you what we're about and how you can support us. We have been doing this podcast since 2019, and with that has come lots of changes. We started as a primarily Halo-only show, but have evolved, combat evolved, over the years to talk about a wide variety of things in the realm of nerd culture. As you can imagine, we've made numerous changes to our platforms, usernames, and emails over the years, so now is the time for me to set things right and give the Covenant back their bomb. You can join our Discord by clicking the link included on our podcast feed. You can also send us an email or a voice message at sacrediconpodcast at gmail.com. We have a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash sacredicon, and we no longer use Twitter or X or whatever else the kids are calling it these days. So if you see someone who looks like us there, just know it's not us. Lastly, you can support us on patreon.com slash sacredicon and receive a bevy of bonus content. We're so glad you chose us to be the voice in your ear on this particular day and hope you enjoy the episode ahead. Halo, halo, friends, fams, gems and jams, and thank you for choosing the Sacred Icon Podcast for your ear-chewing pleasure. If you're tuning into this episode, you're tuning in to Oddball, where we talk about things outside of the Halo universe. Today is an incredibly exciting one for me, baby, as the stars have finally aligned so that we can get this especially special three-player co-op adventure breaking and popping. I'm your hosty host, Joshy Washy Hargis, or Joshy J if you're nasty. And joining me as always is my buddy, my pal, your friend, and, well, my friend too, and your host, <laughs> Brian Marvett. And also, ladies and gentlemen, joining us for the first time, three-player co-op mode. He was with Brian before, but he's with all three of us now. We're united, and it feels so good. I didn't say reunited. This is the first time. It's first time. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, one of our very own ODSTs, the king of Rainbow Road, and the guy who told me to get a Switch, so I did, because nobody can resist the charms of a Mario. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Nestor, a.k.a. fucking Ouija. Ouija, my man, welcome to the show, and I got a big question for you. Where did it all begin with Luigi, man? Where, where was the moment where you were like, I'm a Luigi fan? This guy, I, if you guys haven't seen in the Discord, he's shown his... He's got a whole collection of Luigi stuff. Not just that, but Halo stuff too. But, man, there had to be a point where you were just like, I'm going all in on this stuff. Where, where did it begin? Gee, baby. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Um, let me let me think. So, uh, I was in Mexico. I was five years old. Okay. And... Uh, I remember uh, it, was, it was Christmas. It was around Christmas time, and I remember really telling my mm. folks that I, I really wanted a Nintendo. Okay. Um, and around that time, uh, I there there was like these like bootleg arcades that had like they they essentially loaded them up with like NES ROMs, and the most popular okay. one to play on there was Super Mario Bros. Obviously. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, so I played a ton of that. That was my first gaming experience ever. I'm like, mom, dad. I need a Nintendo. This is so cool. Um, uh, then the following year, we came back. Like I said, it was Christmas. Mm-hmm. And they'd gotten me uh, my... Where are you, buddy? There you are. I got this guy. Little Game Boy. Little green Game Boy. Oh, nice. Yeah, Game Boy Color. Uh, but they we didn't have a game with it because they didn't know that it came with a game. So I've heard that. So we, we <laughs> that be a comment. Yeah, man. So we drove like two hours to uh, the nearest like store, I guess, that like sold electronics because mm-hmm. you know my my folks are from a, a pretty rural place, and uh, they had a copy of Super Mario Bros. Deluxe, which was OG Super Mario Bros. but on a Game Boy Color. Oh, nice. Okay. And uh, I remember uh, just. You know, back then, whenever you got a game, like, you'd look at the box art, you'd read the instruction manual over and over again, stuff like that. And I remember just being like, okay, well, if the red guy is Mario, and it says bros, that stands for brothers, right? (laughs) And, you know, (laughs) Luigi's on the box, too, and I'm like, oh, let's go. Like, you know, how do I play as Luigi? Because I thought, you know, maybe you had to play, like, two players or something. I'm like, I don't got a link game. Right. Uh, and then uh, one day I'm messing around on the game. Right before you start the levels, there's a little there's a little animation of Mario moving along the map. 
Uh-huh. I was pressing random buttons, and I found out if you press select, you got to play as Green Mario. Oh shit! Oh yeah, that's dude. That and green's been my favorite color since, as far as I can remember. So that that that's where it started. Automatic kinship, right? Oh there. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Hell yeah. And then uh, that's a really cool way because it was like an accidental discovery. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, my mind was blown. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah games just don't have things like that anymore nah you, man like where you just like because if, if he was playable today he would have been marketed like a year in advance and then like he probably would have been a pre-order bonus and all kinds of bullshit uh, honestly the only game that i've gotten that like uh pre-information era like vibe from i guess would be like uh, breath of the wild because there's just so much stuff in that mm-hmm. game that you can that like you had to discover on like on your own mm. Which Man, it's interesting. Yeah, it that reminds me of the first Mortal Kombat because it had Reptile that you could unlock. Oh yeah, you know, and it's like just like you said, Brian. I mean, they could have promoted that character way back, but they didn't. And yeah, that's just that does not. It's so weird. That's not even in the consciousness of today's market of like an unlockable character. I still remember when they had them all like completely silhouetted out in like fighting games, and you'd be like, "Who the hell is yeah. that?" Yeah, you know, <laughs> oh. yeah. Thing. Now it's like you can find out for only ten ninety nine or something yeah. like that. on the internet. Um, uh, but no, I, I, that's a that's a good point that you mentioned Breath of the Wild, uh, Nestor, because literally yesterday I was at work and there's this guy I work with named Pat. He's about forty years old. He's not a big gamer, but every now and then he likes to play a little something. And about a year and a half ago, he had discovered Breath of the Wild, and he came to work and he's like, "Have you ever played uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild?" And I was like, "Yeah, dude, it's amazing." He's like. It's just the best. It's just like the best game I've ever played. I can't put it down. I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's amazing. So we, we talked about it for months, and then now it's been over a year. And he came to me yesterday, and he was like, "What do you know about the Fallout series?" And I was like, "Oh, it's good. I play it." He's like, <laughs> "He's like, uh, if if I want something like Breath of the Wild, should I play one of the Fallout's?" And I was like, "Well, you can, but it's <laughs> a wide divide." <laughs> Damn. I was like. Because he's like open world, right? He's looking for open world. And yeah. I was like, well, you, you can play a Fallout, but like, if you're looking for that Breath of the Wild experience, he's like, yeah, I'm looking for that Breath of the Wild experience. I'm like, dude, honestly, I don't think there is a game on the market that exists like Breath of the Wild. I think the only way to get a Breath of the Wild experience is to play Breath of the Wild. And I ended up convincing him just to replay Breath of the Wild instead of buying a new game. Because <laughs> Rip. there's just nothing, Bethesda there is no game you. like Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Well, he, I don't think he'd... You know what I'm saying? He's not like a gamer, mm-hmm. so I don't think he'd enjoy Fallout. I, I think he needs something casual. And Breath of the Wild, one of the things that's great about it is it does appeal to the casuals just as much as the hardcore, I feel like. It seems so. like it going from the outside looking in. It's it's so weird to me because uh, my first experience with Zelda, with a Zelda, was the very first one. Oh. Uh, <laughs> An uncle brought it over, and he brought a couple games. And I looked at the art, and the art looked awesome. Just that little sticker on the front of the cartridge. And I popped it in. And of course, like every Nintendo Entertainment System game looked terrible. But I went into a dungeon, had creepy music, I got scared. I pulled the cartridge out, I'm like, I'm not playing that game. And I haven't been back since. So I like to pretend, my headcanon is just that it's, the the Zelda series, too scary. Too scary. But, horror, but in reality, in reality, it's just weird because I, I don't know what happened for me, but I, I just didn't go back to Nintendo. Like I played, um, my cousin Justin, Brian's friend, he had a uh, Super Nintendo, and I was always envious. I always wanted that, but I also wasn't like as in the games at the time. And then every subsequent one that came out, I always had something that kind of put me off. Like the sixty-four, I was like, "What's up with the controller?" And then. <laughs> And then I remember the GameCube came out, and I was like, what's up with the controller part two? But then I was also like, the GameCube was pretty Man, cool. Man, GameCube's one of the Bro, best yeah, controllers it's one of the in the best, industry. Hey, I know, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm on the outside looking in again, though. So this, this is just me. was but bad, then, though. Then the, the Wii came out, bad. and I was like, man, I was always kind of on that cusp with the Wii. I was like, this is different, but it looks fun. But I'm like, I don't know. And then the Wii U came out, and before I could even consider that, you know, they're like, we're coming out with a Switch. So, and then... Yeah, there it is. <laughs> Which I love Switch that turquoise color, by everyone. the way, man. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah, I haven't even said that look. on the podcast. I don't think yet, but I finally got a Switch, so now I have the trifecta of consoles. Well, we're kind of we're kind of going in the direction I want to hear. I wanted to talk about each of our kind of like origins with Nintendo, and and Josh, you kind of just covered yours, and mm-hmm. uh, Nestor. I know you talked about getting 
you know, Super Mario Bros. Deluxe for the Game Boy, but I guess I, I want to make sure, is that, was that Game Boy your literal first game system ever? Yeah, it, it was literally the first thing I, I'd ever owned. Uh, oh. And then from here, you know, I made, I made friends and stuff, and they had, like, N64s. And I'm like, Mom, I want the big Nintendo. <laughs> you know? That makes sense. I like so, that. So, uh, eventually, oh God, yeah, I think my old man, like, bought that on a whim. We went to Toys R Us. We picked it up. Uh, it was the day that Mario Tennis, the yeah, the first Mario Tennis launched. I remember okay. that. And, uh, yeah, man, good times. You know, and then I played Smash Bros. So, and it was it was over from there, man. I'm like, who? There's like, who are these guys? There's no Luigi. There's like no Luigi content on the N64, which sucks. Except for Super Smash Bros. and Mario Kart, or uh, right? I mean, or Mario Tennis and Party, I guess. But like, there's no way to play as him in a single player. Well, Mario 64, if you believe. <laughs> if you well, believe, yeah. I don't. I don't want to get too far ahead, Brian. So uh, feel free to take us back if I am. But but Nestor, when um. So you're you're a Luigi fan prior to Luigi's Mansion, correct? Yes. Okay. So when Luigi's Mansion, when you're like conscious of this game coming out, how excited are you for it? Is this like a game changer for you? Oh jeez, I was. <laughs> I think I was like five. Yeah, I was around the same time that I got the Game Boy when uh, Luigi's Mansion came out because that was two thousand, two thousand one, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I remember. Um, I remember back when Radio Shack was a thing. Uh, they had their little, <laughs> they had their little demo kiosks and I remember, yeah. uh, going into it and, uh, you know, playing the demo for Luigi's mansion. I just remember being mind blown by the graphics. I'm like, yo, what is this? The chandelier is attacking me, mm-hmm. but, uh, I ended up not even, I, I don't think I actually picked it up until uh, 2004-ish. Yeah. I think I had my okay. GameCube by then. Uh, yeah, and I picked it up for like seven bucks at GameStop, and uh, oh, dude, fell in love right away. <laughs> Is that your favorite one of the three? Yeah, the first one. First one, okay. It, it's the most. It's funny because yeah, it's just it's just the most ahead. easy to revisit, and uh, you you can beat it in like three hours if you know what you're doing. Oh shit! Yeah. Damn. Yeah, it's it's longer if it's your first playthrough. You can get ten plus hours. It'll be yeah, forty for me because it takes me forever to beat games for some reason. <laughs> oh man um, what about you Brian yeah, that, that's the what about it's your... funny the interesting thing about Luigi's Mansion is um, when it even though I was just before we started the show I was just saying how it's stupid that people don't give it enough credit as a full launch game or whatever as a kid when the GameCube came out I was more interested in Mario Sunshine and I ended up getting Luigi's Mansion later and when I got Luigi's Mansion later I thought I bought it thinking, well, this probably isn't going to be a full experience because that was kind of the rumor, mm-hmm. right? And I remember getting it and just being extremely impressed by it because it was, it was so atmospheric and there was the it was like a it was like a horror game, but it wasn't really that scary. And you know, Luigi had so much charisma and character, and like eventually playing through the whole game and 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 as they and kind of like elevate the ghosts and what they can do, right? And then you finally get to the end and the, and the boss battle really kind of cemented it for me as a as a game I loved because you fight Bowser, but then you realize it's like it's King Boo like disguised as Bowser. Because Bowser you'll be fighting Bowser and his head will detach from his body and start flying around and yeah. you're like, what the hell? Because it's not <laughs> Bowser, it's actually King Boo. Um as he drinks his King Boo mug right hey, now, now so he is a fan to the, to the core. <laughs> Man, it, uh, I, but yeah. Go ahead, Brian, I'm sorry. What, what what's your journey, say, Brian, but, with Nintendo? Yeah, so for my, my journey for Nintendo, it's kind of it's funny. We have three very different experiences here. We have what I think is, well, I'd say, I guess I'd say, I don't know. You two have more like normal experiences for me. I'm kind of debating on which one of you has the more normal experience because I feel like everyone as a kid kind of starts with the Nintendo, and technically both of you did. Mm-hmm. Um, Nestor kind of started with it and stuck with it. Josh, you kind of start you. I'd say Josh is probably the most normal as far as like. You started with Nintendo, but like as you grew, grew older, you wanted to go other places, you know, mm-hmm. PlayStation or Xbox. I feel like that's what most gamers' trajectory was. Uh, and then, and then there's me, who uh, my first console was an Atari Jaguar, Oof. which, yeah, which sucks. But I didn't know it sucked because like I was just a little kid, I was playing a game on it. And uh, <laughs> Mister, I, like, then, I like how you're like, Oof, like uh, real, real bad, quick, bad, yeah. don't they make uh, those uh, dental like X-ray machines out of the shells of the Jaguars? No way! I never heard of Pretty that. Sure. You have to you have to link me to that. Oh yeah, the, the next that. time you go visit your 
your dentist uh, and you get like your teeth x-rayed, yeah. uh, look at that little machine that they have in there. Like, you know, cause they press like some little pad stuff yeah. on a wall. It, it's, it's, it's a, it's a freaking Jaguar case. What? Uh, what I'm the? pretty sure. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the Jaguar. I'm going to have to look at If it's that. not, if it's not, it's the Lynx, but it's definitely an Atari console. Okay. Well, see what happened they is, live on. you know, I was, yeah. they live on. My, my earliest memory of playing a video game was the Jaguar and I was probably, I don't know, four years old. The only reason we had a Jaguar, we wouldn't have had any video games in the house, but my dad won one of those radio contests where you call in and if you're like the eighth caller, I remember this story. He won yeah. Atari Jaguar with some games. Um, so the one game I played on it was called Cybermorph, and it was like and this floating head. Yeah, it had a floating green head that directed you, and then you like flew a spaceship, and that was my first experience. But really, when gaming started for me, was my parents, like my dad, really was interested in the PlayStation One. And it's funny because I just, even though we're doing a Nintendo episode, I just spent this morning, I spent about forty-five minutes on my phone reading up on the history of the PlayStation One, mm-hmm. and the PlayStation One was marketed as. What grown-ups play, what teenagers play, what the cool kids play who move on from Nintendo, right? That was the how it was marketed, and it and it, their marketing worked because the PlayStation One sold like crazy, and that's kind of why my dad bought it. It was like it was the cool system to buy. The PlayStation One was the cool system. So my for real, even though I started with the Jaguar, really what I grew up with was the PS One. We had a PS One in the house, the original gray fat model. Uh, we had Crash Bandicoot. We had I had Hercules, Disney's Hercules, the game. Yeah. And uh, my dad bought NASCAR and Madden, and we had... Ryan Barker listening, he's like, yeah, amen, brother! Yeah, yeah, <laughs> NASCAR. Um, but, uh, so I grew up as a as a pretty much a PlayStation kid mm-hmm. who wanted to be on Nintendo. Like, most people grew up as Nintendo, but wanted to be on PlayStation, or Nintendo wanted to be on Xbox. People want to move Maybe on to the new, don't cool, have. Yep. cooler, edgier thing. But for me, I was like, I want Nintendo because I'm a little kid... And even though PlayStation's got these really like mature titles like Driver or Final Fantasy or Grand Theft Auto or whatever it is, mm-hmm. I'm a kid. I want to play the Mario games. I want to play the Mario Kart. I want to play Zelda. I want right. to play Donkey Kong. Um, so I wanted Nintendo. And really, the beginning of me getting my own Nintendo system, other than you know playing it at someone's house, is we went to a garage sale, and they had a Super Nintendo with no had no video cable and no controller, but it had the system, the power cable, and like uh, a Spider-Man game for the Super Nintendo. It was at a garage sale. Okay. And the guy had it marked. He wanted to sell it for $5, the system. I mean, this you got to think, too, this is this is probably like still 90s. Like, it might be like 99 or something, maybe 2000. Okay. So the Super Nintendo, you know how game systems work. You know, they're worth a lot of money, then they're not worth much at all, then they're worth a lot of money again. So at this point, it wasn't really worth much. Um, so $5 is what he wanted. And me being the little salesman I was, I went up to him and I was like, would you take $2? <laughs> and he goes, and he goes, how about, how about five? And I was like, can we do three? And then I think he sold to me for like four bucks. So I, <laughs> nice. I, I haggled got with that him dollar over. difference. Yeah. And, uh, so I bought the system and then I got in contact with my aunt who had, my aunt had extra cables for the super Nintendo and a controller. So she gave me her video control cable and controller and I took it home, and I was so excited. I got Super Mario World, and I started playing Super Mario World on the Super Nintendo, and I loved it, and I was totally, like, all in on Nintendo, but really what I wanted was what I've been playing at my friend's houses for years, which was the Nintendo 64. You know, as a kid, like, Super Nintendo had bad graphics, quote, quotations, yeah. you know. Um, and uh, so I wanted N64. Well, I'm getting probably getting my timelines confused here, because what ended up happening was the, the N64 had been around long enough because like I said, I was a PlayStation 1 kid, that by the time I went, I wanted to, I really thought I could get the money to get one, a used N64 at GameStop was like $25 for the console, for a used one. Okay. So I looked up how much I could trade in my Super Nintendo for, and they were giving like $16 credit for the Super Nintendo console, because it was the old thing now, N64 was new, and then and they'd give me like a couple bucks for a game, and a couple bucks for another game, and... I had exactly enough that if I traded in that Super Nintendo with games, I could get the N64, but no game. So then I did that, and then I bought, I traded it in, got the N64, and then I ran to my mom, because she was at Walmart, like GameStop was connected to Walmart. I ran to my mom, and I'm like, Mom, Mom, I know my birthday's far away, or like a little bit away, it was like a month or two away, but I was like, can you just, can I just get, can you just give me one game for the N64? I didn't have enough for a game. And she's like, which, which game do you want? And I'm like, I want Super Mario 64. Super Mario 64. And it was like used, it was like 20 
20 bucks, I think, as much, much as a console, I think, probably, which is crazy. Yikes. Uh, so she bought me Super Mario 64, and, you know, like I said, as a PlayStation kid, I always thought Nintendo was cooler. I thought Super Mario 64 was, like, the coolest game ever. I remember my cousin bringing it over and us running around the castle and just being, like, holy shit, this game's amazing. Cause Future is now. So crazy. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, that's the thing that's so crazy, right? And, like, I have been really researching, like, retro stuff and nostalgia stuff lately, and people forget, like, there's big differences between the PS1 and the N64. Most people just flat out say the PS1 was the more powerful console. But it's not nope. quite true. Nestor's shaking it's not his head. Quite He's true. Like, Hell nope. Yeah. Hell like, no, man. The you, PS1... you play Glover on PlayStation and play Glover on N64, dude. N64 is the way to go. Not the same experience. Oh, no. Yeah, so like the, the PS1, it had the capability for like onboard like full-on mp3 music it had like better uh hardware for voice acting it could render way more like you could have way more zones and what i mean by zones is like like final fantasy 7 original if you play final fantasy 7 original there's like a bazillion different zones in that game the n64 didn't have the hardware to handle that many different zones and textures and that type of like music and voice acting but what the n64 could do was render less of something at a far higher quality looking image mm. where you get something like you look at like a ocarina of time and you look at crash bandicoot ocarina of time looks way better super mario 64 final fantasy 7 super mario 64 looks way better but those games were super limited in their scope you know they were more you know platformers and and little action games and stuff so gotcha um so like the n64 always looked better to me because it you know a lot of times the games did look better and a lot of times they played better because they were Strictly platformer games that were either built by Nintendo or Rare, which was like Nintendo Lite at the yeah. time. Um, so it was, it was, yeah, it was awesome. So that, basically, the N64 is what made me, uh, or getting the N64, that's when I kind of started my journey. Uh, eventually, my friend Kyle got me into Ocarina of Time, which at first, Ocarina of Time was just like so hard to, to grasp because in Mario, you just start, you jump into a portrait, you go grab a star, go to the next one. Well, well Zelda's like, here's a story. Okay, now you can't progress until you get a sword. Now you can't progress until you get a shield. You got to figure out puzzles. And Kyle helped me get through that. Ocarina of Time became my favorite game of all time. Um, and then I was kind of, you know, I was getting a little older and I was finally, you know, I was in the Nintendo, I was a Nintendo boy. And then I was like, okay, I want to get a GameCube while it's still relevant. Because basically, about the time I got the N64, GameCube was like coming out. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I was like, so like, for Christmas, mom, I want a game. I want a GameCube. Like, I want a game. I don't want an Xbox. I don't want a PS. Another console. Yeah, basically, that was that's pretty much my whole life. Was another console? Another console? You're not getting another console. Okay, we got you a console. You're done. It's okay, interesting looking back though. You go through those '90s and early 2000s. I mean, we had a shit ton between that handhelds and all the devices. Oh, yeah. yeah, man. Oh, yeah. It's so you, you. You got this so much. Like, uh, essentially, training your parents to expect <laughs> to buy you a new console like every like six years. <laughs> yeah 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 at least yeah um but yeah so i was pretty much i was a hardcore when we've talked about this on many of our halo episodes i was a hardcore nintendo fanboy at that point because i was like i longed for a nintendo got one then i became a hardcore nintendo fanboy i was like i was like playstation sucks xbox sucks i'm all in on nintendo and i really hated xbox because i was like you're not even part of the conversation what were your thoughts you, on dreamcast do you remember um just like dreamcast sucks too I think to me, I feel like because you, you and you guys gotta understand, like people the age. say, dream for Dreamcast, like it's thinking. Brian was like, <laughs> yeah. it's sleeping. Yeah, it's like uh, it, it I, I can't process a single thought. No, <laughs> no. For you gotta understand, like your perception of games is gonna be different based on what age you were. But for me and my age, like you gotta think, GameCube came out when I was nine. PS2 came out when I was nine. Like, oh, I'm feeling to me, age. Sega looked Sega looked like the ones who didn't know what they were doing. Mm. Sega looked like the ones that failed kind of looked like the red the black sheep even though the truth is sega was a freaking boss in the genesis yeah. days you know it's just i was i was i was too young for that um so but i, I hated the xbox because i thought you're not even in the conversation you know you have sega you have sony you have nintendo what's microsoft doing i don't care about microsoft i don't care about bill gates and i'm like as a nine-year-old i don't even know what i'm talking about for you yeah they did they did because to me it was to me, it was these three things me and my friend group said. You know, Microsoft sucks. Bill Gates sucks because he's affiliated with Microsoft. And the only reason people like Bill Gates is because he invented the internet. <laughs> Which is not even true. I was going to say, uh, I thought it was like Al Gore or some shit, but I won't pretend to know. No, not, yeah, not him know. either. Um, 
But uh, no, so eventually, you know, and then Halo came out and everyone's like, oh, Xbox is the coolest thing. And I'm like, no, Xbox sucks. Halo, they only like it because it's violent and it's got cuss words. I was just a stupid kid. And then I played Halo. When I played Halo one day, it pretty much, my Nintendo fanboyism died for a few years as I just became an Xbox fanboy because of Halo. But then eventually I rekindled my love for Nintendo and PlayStation. Now I'm, I'm pretty vehemently a big fan of all three. Um, I guess if I had to choose, no, I can't even choose. I just love them all. It was tough. But anyways, that was those were tough times because I mean, you know, it's that it's that struggle everyone has now. Now we have money to afford all these consoles and devices, but we don't have the time to enjoy them. Whereas when we were little, we only had maybe one console, or we could only pick like one or two games, and we didn't have the accessibility we do now. People playing this stuff on YouTube or reviewing it or leaking it. We just saw it was in the magazine, and if that game turned out to be really bad, that's what we were stuck with. And it's like you would constantly yearn like for another game and stuff like that, but we didn't have too much to go off on. So like for you, it's interesting because it's like you say you like, you know, you you kind of went Xbox for a while, or you were just like no no Nintendo, and you just kind of had that tunnel vision. And that's how yeah. I remember being for the longest time. I don't know, but Nestor, for you, I know you had a crossover where you went to Xbox and stuff. Did you ever? dabble with sony and whatnot or not as much not really it's like brian said earlier like um the playstation one was the uh the cool kids console so of course everybody's older cousin had one <laughs> yeah. you know um yeah so I, I never had a classic playstation i just remember playing spyro on it and being like oh yeah this is like banjo kazooie i love this uh I love spyro <laughs> spyro's yeah. good dude uh, so much better than crash hot take not really that's a, that's a hot a take. Fair, I, mean, I like Crash better, but that's fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I love them. But yeah, no, I t- I didn't get a PlayStation 1. I didn't get a PS2 until I had like a cousin just give me his. Um, oh, nice. And that was like uh, 2010, maybe, when he gave me that. Oh, so the PS3 is out now, yeah. Yeah, but you know, okay. the PS3 was pretty much dead on arrival because of uh, how expensive it was. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting looking back on that too. I'm like, that, that, I just completely. I got PS1, I got PS2, I've, I got PS4. Oh yeah, man. I now have a PS5, it, PS3. I was just like, I slept on. It's like, and I kind of hate that. It, it's I like hate that Sony got too big for their britches after the PS2, and then Xbox got too big for their britches after the 360. Yeah, and it's. I, I feel like yeah, I just hubris, same, hubris, for, man. same for Sega because it's like I remember when they came out. One of the things they promoted, they like immediately went and attacked. Nintendo, they had an ad that said, Sega does what Nintendo don't. Blast process. It was just, and I remember Nintendo was like, why are you doing that? Like, why why are you attacking us? And then, like, what is it? Anything after the Genesis honestly just failed. The Dreamcast was like, it's remembered well, but it did horribly. For for real, like, uh, I remember uh, playing Sonic 2 on, on, like, a Genesis as I had a cousin who had one too, but mm-hmm. uh, to bring it back to the Dreamcast, I don't even remember that thing being marketed, dude. Like I never saw one. Like, I think back to the inner recesses of my mind, you know, any like, cause I, I feel like I can remember most times that I went to a store and played the demo system. Like I, yeah. like my first Xbox experience was playing the demo for grab by the ghoulies. Oh, nice. Yeah. I remember that game, dude. You know, I, I just replayed it. It's not, it's weird, but it's not too bad. Okay, I, I, that was a game I one of those games you know when you sometimes go on a, a GameStop or EB Games and all that, and you see it there and you're like, I wonder what that game's like, but then you just never play it. That's grabbed by the ghoulies for me. Yeah, like I just I, I saw it all the time and I was like, interesting. It's it. it's a it's a beat 'em up. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, it's 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 really funny because it's got that same you know like fun kind of. It's more like fun spooky than it is for Luigi's Mansion because Luigi's Mansion mm-hmm. is a little more uh, like the mansion's more realistic. Yeah. Uh, but grabbed by the ghoulies, it's just like it's not bad, man. You should give, you should give it a, you should give it a, a go around on uh, Rare Replay. Hell yeah, I do own Rare Replay. I forgot it was on there. Mm-hmm. Huh. I need to beat Conquerors, yeah, man. I- That's a game I've never beaten, but I loved. Uh, <laughs> I played the X. What is the Xbox Reloaded? Live and I played reloaded, that yeah. Live and Reloaded. That was my first one. I remember getting into some like vampire castles, like a Dracula's castle yep. in the story, uh, and I had to return it because it was a rental. But then, ever since getting the rare replay and seeing stuff, I'm like, man, I just need to play the original. Uh, like, I'm not hating on Live and Reloaded. <laughs> I like the multiplayer, but I, I have the funniest story uh, with Conquer's Bad Friday, the original on the 64. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I, we borrowed it. I borrowed it from a friend. Um, and me and my little cousin, he must've been like four at the time we were playing multiplayer. Cause you know, that was the thing mm-hmm. to do in that game. That game was awesome. Dude, it was. And, really uh, <laughs> I remember we, we get finished playing and, uh, he, he runs up to his parents and he's like, mom, dad, can, can you guys buy me this game? I like it. They say son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to return it the oh, next day. You know, nope. My parents were like, oh, what are you no. playing? <laughs> no. Uh, you see you had to return it? Oh, yeah, dude. I had to give it. No. Give it <laughs> no. Oh. I thought you were going to say that the plant has huge boobs, but that works too. Oh, no, man. I, it's... Kid me would have gotten an awakening if I had seen that. Uh-huh. But I did not have a Nintendo 64. So. <laughs> Wasn't there like a giant poo monster? Yep. He oh, sings. yeah. Giant. Dude, that's a goat game. He sings. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Man, okay. Something I wanted to ask you guys, though. So I'll set this up and then I want to get both your opinions. So when I went from. I think why I fell off going from the original Nintendo and just having that huge break. I mean, I did have a, a Game Boy Color. No. Yeah, I had a Game Boy Color just for Pokemon Silver. And I have a 3DS for Pokemon, I think, Alpha Sapphire and some other game. I I forget the name of it. Yeah, I think it was one of those. And um, and now I just got the Switch. So, I mean, console-wise, per se, I really haven't had one. It's a huge cap in time. And the more I've thought about it, I think what happened, as much as I hate to admit it, I think I just really grew out of platformers because I played, I played like grew up playing kind of those essentially with the platformers, and then I wasn't, I didn't really just consistently play video games. I kind of like had a return to form. I mean, I played them on and off in the '90s, but it wasn't until like the mid to late '90s, I want to say, I got into like the sports titles and I started playing movie license games, and then I started opening up more into other stuff. But it wasn't as much platformers, and I think the more as much as I hate to say it, yeah, as much as I looked at like, the Nintendo 64 and GameCube and everything, I know they had some things on there that weren't just that, but I think that's what teenage me, kid me, saw that as. was like, that's the platformer's console. And I was starting to get progressively more into shooters, especially after playing Halo and everything else. You know, it was like chasing this new carrot on a stick. So then... When I got to the GameCube, I was like, man, I am kind of curious about that. And then even more so with the Wii and then getting to the Switch. And I was like, the Switch was one where I was just like, I keep, I, I'm, I'm just waiting for something. I'm just waiting for something. Like they got Zelda, they got Mario, you know, there's so much other stuff. But I thought, I just need something else that's going to pull me in. And then when they did the Mario Rabbids, uh, Rabbids uh, Kingdom Battle, I was like, okay, I'm a huge XCOM fan. That's really pulling me in. I just need one more thing. And then I kept, I've waited the last couple of years. Nothing really came to me. But then we started doing the podcast and talking to more people and then getting to know you, Nestor. And I'm like, man, maybe I'm like just going in with the wrong perspective. I need to just like open myself up to this and try this stuff out. And I've got, so guys listening, I mean, I got, I've, I've got had it for like a couple weeks now and I mean, I've only played two games on it. Tropical Freeze, fucking banger. I know that came out on the Wii U first, but it's a banger. I've been playing KOTOR on it, and that's a whole other thing Brian opened me up to. I am so stuck on achievements and trophies. You know, that's that extra thing. I love statistics. I love being able to go look at, oh, I unlocked this at this date. I I can go back and I'll be like, oh, that's when I was going through a breakup. Or I'll be like, oh, that's when I graduated high school. You know, and it's like, I just remember these times, and it has these like this endorphin rush. And I love that. Well, you don't have that with Nintendo, so I didn't do it. And then I'm I'm sitting there playing Kotor on it, and I'm laying in bed, and I'm like, "This is fucking awesome." I'm like, "The future is now," but everyone else has been saying that for years, and I'm like, finally getting on board. I've been sleeping on this, and then I go in there and I'm looking in the store, and I'm like, I see this, like the newest Kirby game that came out. I'm like, that looks like a banger. Can't wait till that goes down in price. And then you guys are. T- the, the main thing I want to Nintendo, get it won't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know that's something I've been learning too. <laughs> but um, the, the the main point I wanted to get to on this journey was that the biggest thing is is that I've heard unanimous praise across the board about uh, Zelda and just I mean honestly any of the games, but Breath of the Wild in particular. 
and I've looked at this game, and I always want to get it. Right now, I can't because I'm like, which sucks because it's on sale. But I'm like, I just bought a PS5, I just bought a Switch, so I kind of need to be responsible for a little bit. But that being said, uh, when I look at it, I'm like, I, I, I'm gonna get it. But it seems very open, and every time I see gameplay and stuff, I just see like a, a sense of openness to it. But like, what's there story-wise? I've been kind of curious, and also like, what really makes this like unique and special to you guys? I want to start with you, Nestor, but like, I want to get both of your takes on that. What just what makes it so goat? You know, what's what's goaded about it? I mean, that's a loaded question. <laughs> no, no, you're good, dude. I mean, because I went back into it um, a couple of days ago just to kind of like refresh my mind for this episode. And, okay. Uh, Hell yeah. I think what it has going for it, like more than not even just like other Zelda games, but like just open game, like open world games in general, I think it's just the the sense of discovery. And it's not just like the sense of discovery within the world, because that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a sense of discovery uh, with like how robust the physics engine is for it. Okay. Uh, I remember like two, two very clear, uh, things that pop up in my mind when I think about like how much uh like those aha moments were uh <laughs> I was like I was like starving to death. I remember once I, I was I was I was almost dead. I had like no no hearts and I had like a couple apples. And I remember just being and I remember just uh like fiddling with them to see if I could uh, I think it was like before I figured out that you can only cook in pots. So I grabbed all these apples and I dropped them uh, like near an open fire. Mm-hmm. And they uh, they get baked, and I'm like, "Yo, oh, what shit. the hell?" Yeah, so that's like my go-to if I need to cook stuff real quick. I'll bring out a bundle of wood, some flint, light it, and then just drop food next to it. <laughs> nice. Go to town. Oh, yeah. uh, and my uh, second moment, I was uh, I was surrounded by some tough enemies, <laughs> and I had like. I had like three bundles of wood and some flint and I'm like, uh, I wonder if this will work. So I drop all that on the ground. I light it. And, uh, the, if you have enough fire going, you can create an updraft. And if you jump into the updraft, you can actually pull your paraglider out and it'll send you soaring. Oh, I've seen that. Okay. okay. Yeah. Huh. But you know, just, just stuff like that. Just like, uh, you, you make your own little, you make your own little stories wherever you go. Like truly, you're Got not like a really good sandbox. Yeah, you're just never gonna have the same gameplay experience as someone else. I've seen the climbing thing it does, and like that actually looks pretty dope to me. I thought that'd be something like I wouldn't like because I've heard about it. But the more I've looked at gameplay of that, it actually looks kind of cool. How you can just—they said you can like climb everything, right? Yeah, yeah, it looks pretty dope. And you're, you're pretty much only gated by like how you want to play the game. Like you either uh, spend all your all your spirit orbs into giving yourself more health because it's pretty punishing in the beginning like all the enemies mm-hmm. do a lot of damage or uh you put it all in the stamina so you could travel easier okay it, can you tackle the story like at any in any order different... yeah okay how's that work narratively uh well <laughs> yeah the nar- the narrative is like mostly divided into uh cuz you you get to like one of the one of the towns in the in the beginning of the game yeah, and you get this mission where it's like, hey, go collect your memories, and you can collect those like in any order, out of order. You don't even need to collect all of them to beat the game. Um, oh, wow. And that's just if you care about the story, really. If you don't, you can just fight through like the main the main dungeons and uh, go beat the boss if you want. But it, it's definitely more about the journey than it is about any of the destinations. Huh. I get it. Well, man, that raises an interesting question because for you, Brian, I'm used to you being a more linear guy with the occasional like open world thing. You can tackle these in any order. Sounds like it's got a fun sandbox. What what pulls you in, man? Well, there's a lot of things to say. One, this is an instance where the story is what's important about the story is the groundwork and the setting it lays. It's okay. not it's not progressing it. Like when you play Crash Bandicoot or Spyro, it's usually not about the story. You know, if you play um, what's a game that you love playing, Josh? That doesn't really have st- like Toy Story Two, Buzz Lightyear. You know, like it doesn't really. I mean, X Com games really are pretty light on the story, so yeah. Yeah, it's it's got a great setting, and like it's not that like I wouldn't say it's almost like actually I had this conversation in the car with Erica like a day or two ago. When you play Super Mario sixty four, not a single person on this earth will ever say Super Mario sixty four has an abysmal story, has a bad story. Mm-hmm. 
but it doesn't really have a good one either. It's just there, okay. right? Like Peach has been taken, and you got to stop Bowser. I mean, it's it, it's one of those games where like like if you if you deliver a Final Fantasy with a bad story, you've ruined the game. If you deliver a Zelda. Well, I guess older Zelda's it would matter more. But like, for instance, if you deliver Breath of the Wild with a story that nobody cares about, it doesn't actually affect the game at all. Okay. Um, now, as far to go further on, like how the story progresses, basically, you get your intro cutscene and your like opening to the game. Then you have what it's not called. This it's called the Great Plateau. But you have basically a tutorial island. And the thing that's so cool about this tutorial island is, it's it's so big that it almost seems like it's the whole game. Like, nothing about it is tutorial in the sense that it's small. You feel like you have the whole game when you start. Okay. You have this huge open area. But you got to do these couple little things on this opening area before you're allowed to leave it. And once you complete the opening, like like I said, I call it a tutorial because it technically is, but you can't tell when you're playing it. Once you complete this tutorial, you get the paraglider, which lets you jump off of this plateau. And then the game multiplies in size by like 100. And you're like... Sensory overload, I nice. I can't believe how big this yeah. is. Uh-huh. Um, and then from that point, so basically you have your intro story, cutscene stuff, then you have your tutorial story stuff. And once you leave the tutorial area, you either, you can do you can do a couple different ways. Either you can go and try to seek out the memories, and what the memories are is they're like hidden in the world. There'll be like a shining memory, and you find the memory, and it will give you a cutscene, like a full-voiced cutscene which will tell you the story of what happened before the fall of the kingdom. Because basically, when you start the game, you're Link, and you've been in slumber. You've been like in basically like quote unquote cryostasis almost for a hundred years. Oh, nice. So, so you get the story of what happened between Link and Zelda and the world told to you a hundred years ago. You get it told to you through these memories. So, if you find these memories, and the nice thing is, because they want you to be able to play the game however you want to be able to play it, mm-hmm. you can find the memories. It doesn't matter what order you play them in. Like, if you find the memory that they would assume would be the last memory you'd get, when you find that memory first, it'll just play the first memory instead. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So no, like, I'm following. It's go, different get than the, anything I've played. So that's, that's Yeah, if you, get the, if you get the hardest, last possible memory, but it's your first one, it will just show you the first memory. Right. It'll go in order so you oh, don't experience okay, it out okay. of order. It doesn't. You, um, it, so, it's based on location, the, the cutscenes. Oh, location. Yeah, so okay. if you find the last one, you just uh-huh. you just find the last one and then <laughs> and you got to go back and find the rest really? of them, yeah. Interesting. Okay, well, it doesn't seem out of order when I play it, I nah, guess. No, because right? it, they, they do it in You know, way. because it, it kind of has you like asking like, well, what happened to get to this point, which is already, you know, yeah. kind of the point of the game anyway. So if you find the last sure. one, it's not going to ruin anything for you. Yeah, they're built in a way where it doesn't matter which direction yeah. you find it. And then and then the final cutscene, the final like story segments will be if you go to the final boss and you fight the boss and defeat the boss. Like that's but that's all optional, right? Like you can you can start the game, beeline it to the boss and beat the game in less than an hour, or you can spend one hundred hours, never fight the boss, turn the game off, and it won't matter. Because the thing is if if Nestor beats the game and I don't, we both spend hundred hours, he doesn't really know much more than me. Like he knows how the boss got defeated and like the semi-conclusion, but it, it's not much, right? So it's all about the journey. Um, but the biggest thing, like he said, like it's not about the story. It has, like, for instance, I like Oblivion, Elder Scrolls Oblivion, or Skyrim. I do like those games more than Breath of the Wild. Like, I care about I care about them more. But, but, but Breath of the Wild has the best exploration and discovery of any game I've ever played. It puts... The Elder Scrolls, Fallout. Okay, tell Witcher, me more about that because that's what I'm wondering too. I mean, that, when I look at it, it looks like it's fun, but I'm like, what? What about it makes it unique? Because I, I, when I would see it in gameplay, you know, sometimes there's those games you see in gameplay and you're like, it's not enough to sell me on it. Then you play it and you're like, oh, I get it. Sometimes you see the yeah. gameplay and you're like, oh, I, I want this. But well, everything, everything is so dynamic mm-hmm. and it's so dense. It's like there's never, you're never going anywhere where there's nothing to do or it's boring. Everywhere you go is either going to have uh, something hidden. Uh, there'll be an enemy to fight. There'll be a mountain to climb. There'll be a puzzle to solve. There'll be, uh, or for instance, like you could, the dynamic shit that happens, right? Like this is kind of going off of what Nestor said. Like you could be fighting a couple of dudes, okay, and you're swinging a sword around, and you accidentally knock a tree over, and the tree rolls into fire, and then you kill an enemy, and the enemy drops an apple. Apple rolls down the hill into the fire, and automatically cooks itself. And then you can pick it up and eat that it. That sounds awesome. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Uh, or you can, 
Or you can be like, oh, here's a giant chasm I can't cross. Let me get an axe, chop this tree down, then the tree will fall over the chasm, then I can walk across it. Um, I mean, it's just, it just, I mean, it's like limitless stuff. You can, like, if you want to traverse the world by, like, setting up, like, you could set up, like, a, like almost like a teeter-totter. Okay. Where you put, like, uh, like, you stand on one edge of the teeter-totter, and then you pick up a giant stone block, and you drop it on the other side and have it launch you across the map. Everything's dynamic, like the... Just, I mean, your weapons break, but you get weapons so often that you never run out of weapons. Okay. The weapons break. Any, you know, uh, trees can be cut down. Um, things can be found. Yeah, it's almost There's like so much. Just it's almost like anything you think you can do, you can. There's a there's like a, there's yeah. like a mini boss. It's like a, it's like this giant one eyed ogre. It's called the Hinox. And normally, whenever you find them, they're sleeping, and they they um. You know, they, they fidget around when they sleep. Like, its hand will be, like, lying down, and it'll, like, lift its hand up to scratch itself. Well, you mm-hmm. can sneak onto its hand. It'll lift you, and it has weapons around its neck, really good weapons, and you can pick them up without even waking up the boss and just get the hell out of there. Dude, that sounds dope. I'm not, that actually sounds really basically, cool. Basically, it's one of those games where, like, everything you want to do, it lets you do. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't, like, limit you from, like... It doesn't say no to this, you you know, and you can do anything in any order. And there's like, okay, one of the you know you talked about a moment that was like like a seminal moment for you, Nestor. For me, one was like traversing, like I'm 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 just like traveling the world, and I get to, oh shit, it's starting to get really cold. Okay, the temperatures dropped, and I'm like, okay, I can see that this is going to hurt me if I stay here, mm-hmm. but I don't have any I don't have any warm food, and I don't have any clothes, and I still want to discover it. So I just kept running and running and running and eating. Well, I, I had a little bit of like regular food to just keep me from dying. And I keep running and running and running. And I'm getting to the point where I'm like, man, I'm so deep into this like winter area and I have nothing to keep me warm. I'm going to die. And then suddenly I'm like, is that a cabin with like a lit fire? And I run as fast as I can. And I get there and there's a little tiny cabin. And I go and I stand by the fire in the cabin and it gets me warm again. And that's actually, that's the spot where you do, like, the snowball bowling. Yeah. Do you remember that? But I didn't know that that was there. It was just organic that I discovered it. And I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, I'm in the middle of a winter area, and I'm hiding out in this cabin because I'm going to die if I don't. Yeah. And it just felt so organic. And And the thing, too, is, like, this is a game you can sit down, and you can play for 30 minutes Mm -hmm. and get a full experience, or sit down for seven hours. Well, I'm looking at screenshots, and what made me laugh, what makes me laugh is someone modded CJ from San Andreas yeah. <laughs> there, but I didn't expect to see that. But um, that actually looks way more colorful than the gameplay I remember seeing, which is great. Um, that's really oh, attractive yeah, to me. Colorful. And man, that actually looks pretty fun. It showed like a skull that was like a cave, basically. Yeah. Um, man, that looks that actually looks really fun. Huh. It's yeah, uh, there, it's incredible. There, there are plenty of times, even now, that like I'll be playing and I'll just like you know sunset will hit and I'll just stop and like just smoke roses. In. Yeah. Is it is I, I, the appeal too? Is it just the sense of like there's always something around the corner, you know, so to speak? Yeah. Yep. Okay. I remember, dude. I remember this. This was surreal to me. Like I, it was a jaw dropping moment. I because I didn't know anything that was in the game because I didn't really follow it, even though I'm a Zelda fan. And I was like, go running up this hill, and it was starting to lightning and thunder, and it's like raining. And I get up to the top of this hill, and overlooking the hill, there's this giant dragon floating in the sky. And it's like a, it's like the type of dragon that looks like a snake, you know, like a serpent dragon. Okay. You know, and it's just in this, and I didn't even know there was dragons in the game. And I was just like, is that a freaking dragon oh floating God, in the sky? You too, man. I I remember that. I remember I was I was walking around, and all of a sudden I hear like you know, Chinese music start playing for the, for lack of a better term, you know, it's like, it's like beautiful. And I'm like, what's going on? And I look up into the sky and I just see this like dragon snaking into the sky. And I'm like, I got chills. I remember that moment so clearly. And then what, what shocked me even more is then like, I'm standing on that mountain. Uh It's raining. It's lightning. I'm looking at this dragon. I'm in awe. And then suddenly my shield on my back starts to spark. (laughs) And I'm like, what is happening? And then my shield sparks again. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what is happening? And then suddenly I get electrocuted and I die. <laughs> and not knowing yeah. what this game has, I thought to <laughs> myself, knows, man. Even, even though I'm like 
even though I'm like 2,000 feet away from this dragon, okay. I thought that that dragon struck me down with lightning from afar just because he saw me. This is what I thought happened. I'm like, holy shit, did that dragon just lightning strike me? No. Turns out whenever the game, ha- whenever lightning organically appears in the game, like the weather, mm-hmm. if you're wearing anything metal, it gives you a few seconds to take it off or it's going to electrocute you because you can't have metal out in the rain. What the fuck, That's dude? all it is. That's... Uh, Man, there's a there. So like, if you if it starts lightning, you gotta take all your take all your metal equipment off so you can get lightning struck. Also, if you're climbing a mountain and it starts raining, you slide you're off the side. Man. You get away from it raining. <laughs> I, I, it's crazy. There, there's a couple. Uh, there's a, there's a couple of weapons that are like boomerangs in the in, in the game. Mm-hmm. And my favorite thing to do if I have a metal boomerang, oh, and if and it's lightning, you can yeah. you can time when the lightning's gonna strike because you'll see your stuff sparking. And if you throw the boomerang. At the right time, you can time it so that the lightning strikes the enemy as the boomerang hits them, and then catch oh, it. No fucking way! Back. Yeah, that sounds sick as hell. Oh, it's insane! I'm checking the shop right now. <laughs> and, and same same thing. If your enemies have uh, metal weapons, it'll hit them. Oh shit! Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, you can throw. You can be like, oh, it's lightning out. Throw your sword at the enemy, and then have lightning strike the sword and kill the yeah. enemy. Yeah, man, it's just no, but Buster, you said insane. was it on sale digitally on Amazon? On Amazon, yeah. Okay, because I didn't see it on sale on uh through the Nintendo eShop. Is it still but digitally for sale on Amazon? What's that? Is it still digitally for sale on That's Amazon? That's what I'm gonna right check now? and see because I. Think about how amazing this episode would be if Josh bought it. <laughs> worry, now you're making me want to just not like do the opposite just to do it. But man, that is damn. We'll, we'll, yeah, it's we'll, forty. We'll, we'll, we'll not... come by for the for the rebound slash retrospective whenever Josh plays <laughs> it. Oh yeah, you will absolutely be on the Breath of the Wild episode, even though this one's half like a half of that. But fuck, man. Well, I'll say this: you're at least really getting me looking at it because I'm seeing it right now and I'm. Contemplating. Yeah, it'll it'll definitely be on sale. Remember, for, Josh, you'll have um, you'll have anchor ad money coming your way. So remember that. <laughs> no Yo, minimum listenership. My my my, my yeah, patron no subscription. Just give it to Josh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, dude. Well, this is cool to see though, because I mean, it it's. I, I think this is honestly what I needed to get me more interested in this game, because I mean, I just like I bought. I think I already told. Uh, yeah, I think I already told you, Nestor. I know I told Brian, but yeah. So I got Super Mario Galaxy and the Mario Raving Rabbids won the Kingdom Battle. And is Sparks of Hope? That's this year, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and then I got Tropical Freeze and I got KOTOR just because I wanted to have that. But um, I feel like that's the one I'm missing. You know what I mean? Like Almost like I have a Nintendo Switch, but I don't really have a Nintendo Switch until I have Breath of the Wild. So, oh yeah, it's the the quintessential. I don't know. Thing. You really I've got me. You guys of... really got me thinking about it. Yeah, I've actually only heard one person in my entire life say they played Breath of the Wild and didn't like it. What only was the reason? One person, and I actually they just Sorry. thought it was I heard the dungeons. <laughs> I think they just thought it was boring. But I, I think the person who tried it really was. So basically, that pop my podcast I listen to all the time that I talk Technical to Josh Alpha. about Technical Alpha. Yeah. Jeff on that show, he he bought a Switch with Breath of the Wild, and he just he just didn't like it, and I just I can't understand it because I'm just like I've never met anyone who I don't know. I, I think he said he played it a couple hours. I'm guessing he just didn't give it enough try because it's just it's such an accessible game, and everyone I've ever like, especially like everyone who's ever tried it, they just get sucked in. My wife played it for two months without stop. The guy I work with couldn't put it down. It's just incredible. It's weird because I, think, I feel like I, I, I want to play it. Now. I don't know if it's just me or what, but I've just I've arrived at this point. I feel like, and it's actually what led to me getting the Switch was like I, I thought, man, I almost kind of missed the flat platforming stuff, and I missed that kind of like casual accessibility or colorfulness, you know, that kind of Nintendo is really like known for. And it's not to say that you can't get that on Sony, you can't get that shit on Xbox. I mean, you can. No one does way. it like Nintendo, though. but it's not. No one does it like Nintendo, and. Yeah. I, I remember, it was interesting. I had to go through this whole process of like seducing myself. So I went like, I, I had gotten the PS5, and it's like a day or two later, and I'm like, hmm, the only thing I'm missing is an, is a Switch. So I look online. I'm like, Let, let's just see how much it is. Let's see how much it is. And then I saw it was 200 for the turquoise one. I thought if I'm gonna get, it, I gotta get turquoise. 200, okay, that's that's doable soon. And then I thought, I wonder who has it in stock. And then I saw Target not too far away from here had it, and I was like, okay. What what games would I get? 
And then I was like, well, I know about Mario Raving Rabbits. I was like, let's check that out again. And suddenly I start like climbing and, and, and continuing to look at yep. this. And then I'm like, what, what else is out there? And then I'm like, Donkey Kong. Huh. And then I was like, let me see this tropical freeze. And I, tropical settings, that's my cup of tea. So I saw that and I was like, ooh. And then I start seeing this Kirby game and I'm like, it's not on sale at the time. But I'm like, I actually really like how that looks. And then obviously Super Mario Galaxy, which I'd already heard amazing things about prior and I was looking at Breath of the Wild again, and I just thought, I think I'm in a point in time where I just, I've spent so long playing, like, heavy open RPGs, shooters, and beat-em-ups, and all that stuff, and, like, this is an aspect, the whole side of gaming I haven't revisited. Like, Nintendo has, like, cornered the market on that, like, entire subgenre in of itself, and I just hadn't opened myself up to it in a while, and now I'm doing that and spending a little Josh, too much you money. Happen, <laughs> you happen did you happen to actually did you happen to mean Super Mario Odyssey? Yes. Yes, I said <laughs> Galaxy. I said Galaxy. I'm new. Everyone listen. Fi- so no, I just people, people listening earlier were like it's it's it's, it's Odyssey. <laughs> well, cuz you can get Galaxy on the Switch but there's no way to buy no, it. No, I did uh, so. Yeah, I did mean Odyssey though. Is this is this not what I said uh when I was on last time, Brian? I I, I think I literally said, yeah, I think Josh's going to hit a point where He's just craving something like new and unique, and he's gonna get a switch. <laughs> yeah, no, I think he did. I'm legitimately exactly there that. too, like no BS. And I mean, it's interesting too because for you guys listening, like there was a night I want to say it was like a month ago. I was at work, and I can't remember what what did it, but something made me like I literally added a Nintendo Switch to my Amazon cart, and I almost like impulse bought it. And I went in there and like one of the channels, and I said that. And I remember you and I talked about it briefly, Nestor, and. And then I thought, you know, I was like uh, that that scene from uh, Iron Man. I was like, next time, baby. And then, yeah, yeah little did I know it'd be like a month later, and here I am. So, luckily, you weren't Terrence Howard. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but boom, you looking for Josh, this? I, I, it's Don yeah. Cheadle. <laughs> <laughs> you got you should you should you should uh, name your switch Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle Switch. If you do, if you do that, or maybe just do it as a oh. joke, make up, make up, take a picture for for Twitter, and you can change it. Bro, that's got to be the name of the episode. Don Cheadle buys a switch. <laughs> Don Cheadle buys a switch. Um, I was already, you know, I was thinking Breath of the Intervention. Oh but, man, you know, that's a thought too. But no, Josh, I was gonna say, um, another thing that's nice about Breath of the Wild is like, you know, when you you said you were gonna start playing Final Fantasy VII, I'm I'm like. Hey, if you need any help with anything, let me know. Or like, if you need ideas where to go, you know, the great thing about Breath of the Wild is you don't need or want help from any of us. Just pop that thing in and just play for hours and just let the world take you away. It doesn't, I don't want to give recommendations. I don't want to tell you how or when to do something. No, it's enough just to hear the enthusiasm. I didn't want to tell you about the dragons because now you know. But it, no, oh, but it helps yeah. though. I mean, it's kind of, I yeah. think what, what honestly is one of the biggest factors is you telling me, Nestor, just kind of about some of the stuff that just happened by chance, like especially with dropping the apples and they bake, and then you tell me, Brian, about um, just like this the sort of like, you know, you want to see what's around the corner type of like approach it has to, um, it's just got a lot of depth to it. I'm looking at screenshots again now and it just like, damn, it looks so colorful and fun, different like biomes almost. Yep. You can also, you can, you can, you can tame horses and name them what you want and stable them. Cool, you know, man. Stuff like that. I mean, Hell it's, yeah. It's so much just to do. Man, yeah, I'm, I, off, I know. I'm off work tomorrow, so I got some thinking to do because it's Oh, also, you know here, I know another good selling thing, Josh. You need to go watch Angry Joe's Breath of the Wild. Oh yeah. Because you're a fan of Angry Joe. Yeah. And Angry Joe, that's so outside of his wheelhouse, but he was like, This game is so next level, I have to do a review on it. I want to Nintendo I kept copyright. I'll do that. Yeah. Even though Nintendo kept it's hilarious too, because he keeps he keeps like he does this whole Zelda joke with her, like saying, "Come save me," and then Link's like, "I just gotta go cook some apples first because she's been waiting a hundred years." That's the whole thing. When you start the game, Zelda has been defending evil for a hundred years, and she's like, "I need you immediately." And then you go spend a hundred hours baking apples. <laughs> it reminds me of Fallout Four, where it's like your kid dies. Yeah. Or no, I'm sorry, your yeah. wife dies, and the kids get kidnapped, and you just come out of cryogenic sleep, and you're just like, "I'm gonna go do like." 200 hours yeah. worth of other stuff. I'm going to go build a fortress and yeah, see if you, I can You step something. out of the vault and you're playing uh, the Wanderer as you're going around beating people <laughs> up for money. <laughs> okay, Nestor, I got two big questions to ask you before we get this episode wrapped up. Um, one question I had was, give me three instances, I'm assuming one's Halo, give me three instances in your life where you were pulled away in gaming, you were pulled away from Nintendo to something 
not Nintendo? Oh, man. Uh, Halo. And was that which Halo was that? Was it three. one? Three? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Halo 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gears? Yeah. Yeah, OG Gears. We want to do a Gears episode sometime. That'll be good, dude. I need to. I need to. I need to actually play through all of them. I've only played, you know, Me one too. through three. I've been, I've been feeling that call for that. Yeah, one through three is good enough, but four and five are great. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, Kingdom Hearts. Very Ooh, nice, man. Yeah, all games we love. Yeah, so, same love. thing as you, Josh. What's your that, favorite Kingdom uh, Hearts? Oh, three, five, eight over two. Really? That's an awesome pick. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, cool. uh, dude. You play that game, you'll be. You'll be. Next time you see your friends, you will hug them a little bit tighter. It's, it's Ooh, the popsicles, I like the man. sound of or that. Whatever, what do they call them? They don't call them popsicles, do they? Uh, yeah, the sea salt ice cream. The sea salt ice cream, dude. Josh, man, you know how there's those moments in gaming where you're like, it just gives you the feel-good vibes? Yeah. One of the best feel-good vibes in gaming for me is the sea salt ice cream. There's just this whole obsession. When you get past Kingdom Hearts, it's Kingdom Hearts, it's Kingdom Hearts 2 as well, right? They have it in Kingdom Hearts yeah. 2? Or is it just 358? Okay, Kingdom Hearts 2 and then primarily 358 over 2, there's this whole thing. He plays his character Roxas, and all he wants to do is sit on top of a clock tower and eat sea salt ice cream with his best friends. And if you play 358, you'll see him do that dozens of times. And just him and his friends sitting on top of the clock tower looking out at the sunset, eating their sea salt ice cream and being happy, it's just one of the most warming, feel-good gaming things That ever. sounds wholesome as fuck, Until dude. you get to the it end, is so it wholesome. totally breaks your heart. Oh, oh, good stuff, man. They had so, man. My second question, they, they, bro. My second they, question for you. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh yeah. No, you, have you played Kingdom Hearts two, Josh? I've only played the first one. I wouldn't let myself get past it because of uh wanting to get all the, the ultimate, ultimate keyblade blade shit, and yeah. I couldn't. I struggle so much to get that mystery goo to get the uh for one of the ingredients you need for it. It's like super rare drops. But, so. but you have the the final mix like collection, right? Yeah, so. I got it on PS4. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think in between one and two, there's like the cutscene collection for three, five, eight over two days. Mm-hmm. Chain of memories and stuff, right? But do, do, yeah, do me a solid before uh, before you watch the three, five, eight over two days. Uh, shoot me a message so that I can give you a little bit of context because okay. they have the cutscenes, but there isn't like you know the gameplay in between. Like, uh, mm-hmm. m- most people don't like 358 over 2 because they feel like uh, the gameplay is a little bit repetitive, which okay. uh, I think kind of just, like, adds to the experience, sort of, because it's supposed to be kind of monotonous, and you're supposed it's supposed to feel like, oh, I just got off of work, I'm going to go hang out with my friends. It makes sense in the story. Yeah. Okay. okay. But gotcha. definitely, before you watch that, uh, let me know, and I'll, 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 I'll simp hard for that game for you. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay, my second question for you, Nestor, is you get to decide they're going to make a brand new AAA fully backed Luigi game, but it's going to be set outside of Luigi's Mansion like franchise. So it's it's Luigi as the main character in a, in a new fully fledged game, but it's not the Luigi's Mansion formula. What do you want? Paper Luigi. Ooh. Paper Luigi. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So. Uh, have, you, have either of you guys played Paper Mario? No, but I've seen that talk about here so and much there. over the years. Okay. Uh, Paper Mario, a uh, thousand year door. Uh, essentially, you know, you're, you're on this grand adventure in this like pirate town and the surrounding areas. Uh, you run in Luigi every now and then after you finish a main story bit. Mm-hmm. And you can talk to him and he'll, <laughs> he'll give you uh, a story uh, on like his adventure that he's got going on at the exact same time. And it's really funny because in Paper Mario, Luigi's personality is like uh, he's a <laughs> he's he's like really quirky, and mm-hmm. he um, he doesn't lie per se in his stories, but he kind of aggrandizes himself. He makes himself look a little bit better than he does. And his partners, like Mario, gets like different partners in that game. He also has yeah. different partners out every time you meet him, and every time you talk to his partner, they're just like, "Yeah, nah, he um, he pushed me into a volcano, and that's why I'm crispy now." <laughs> stuff like that so he's a scaredy cat he's yeah uh and i I just i I, ever since ever since i was a kid i've just i've wanted to see that adventure hell yeah awesome Hmm. i could see a paper luigi selling well yes they did they did you know new super mario bros luigi u which was like a 
them kind of doing that type of thing. No, did, yeah. yeah, I didn't even say this, uh, Nestor, I forgot to, but I looked up, when I was looking up all those games for uh, the Switch, and I looked up Luigi's Mansion 3, and I was like, I want that too. Dude, so that's, you, a, that's sitting in my wish list. Get get that if you get that around Halloween, I promise you it will not disappoint you. It's the it's, it seems like a really good time. Yeah, a real fitting time to play that. So. Yeah, if I could uh, if I could describe anything like from that game, it's it's just mm-hmm. like a it's like a really really well animated, cozy like a uh, Saturday morning cartoon. That sounds awesome. Yeah, every, that's what I don't have on the other consoles. That's what I every what floor. I'm yeah, every floor has like a villain of the week. Sitte. So okay. it, it it it's just so wholesome, dude. It's so good. Damn. And like next, tell me on that too, man. I like the sound of that. Games, dude. They've got Pixar quality animation in Luigi's Mansion, and like it's dude, it looks. Luigi's Mansion looks might really be the good. best looking. It game is. It is the best Switch. looking game on the Switch, bar none. Okay. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. Sweet. All right, guys. Well, we are going to wrap up this Nintendo episode because we want to prepare to record another episode with Nestor talking about his background with Halo, Return. his experience, his experience with Halo, and you know, kind of where how we got into it and what, what's going on there. That's going to be something really exciting. But we wanted to get this Nintendo episode out uh, because we all love Nintendo, have different uh, backgrounds and history with Nintendo. And Josh has just gotten into the Switch market, you know, and we got we wanted to convince him to buy Breath of the Wild. We hope that we've. We hope that we've done that. We want to get him on that Breath of the Wild hype because it will not he will not be let down. Make sure you message Josh at Jedi Night Joshy on Twitter or you know Discord and let him know that how much you want him to try Breath of the Wild. Uh, guys, uh, we thank you so much for being here with us. Nestor, thanks again for coming back. Oh yeah, man. Love I'm so glad to, to finally do this. Hell yeah, baby. Awesome. Let's go. Loving this. Yeah, you are such you're such a bro, and we love having you and we love your support. And uh, it's just it's always a pleasure. So thank you so much. Uh, Guys, thank you for listening to this episode of the Sacred Icon Podcast, and as always, keep it sacred.